0: so we continue in the book of Jonah we are now in chapter 3 and we're going to be looking at predominantly this great city Nineveh just to very quickly recap of course as uh, uh, Jonah seems to is a well-known story but it's like, like a lot of things in the scriptures it's not until you delve deeper and think more longingly and be before the Lord about it that he opens up our minds to deeper things and it's the same with Jonah I think Jonah was called of God he was commanded to go and to preach to Nineveh and of course he was frightened I think maybe rightly so <laughs> because what we read about Nineveh it was a great city it was it took um, three days to walk around it it was a massive city with a lot of people, and they were evil, and they were anti-God, and trying to put ourselves in jonas shoes, would we not all be a bit shirking the responsibility of that? So he ran away, and uh, as we heard previous weeks, of course, he went into a ship. He he hid in the hold. He fell asleep. The Lord sent an experience and I think that's probably the best way of describing it it was an experience not just for Jonah but for all who read and meditate on it that he was running away from God he hid God caused a storm in such ferocity that the end result was that he he almost commanded the sailors to throw him into the sea because he knew it was from God and God commanded whale maybe uh, possibly and uh, it swallowed him because God had told the fish to do that it's quite remarkable Uh, God's in charge of all things and all the fish of the sea he picks one to do something for him and he's the fish swallowed Jonah Jonah's in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights and then God commands vomit him out into the dry land that's where we are let's read this section i want to just read again the last verse of chapter two that's verse 10 and then all of chapter three which is only 10 verses and the lord spoke to the fish and it vomited jonah out upon the dry land Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city doing a day's journey, and he called out, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent, and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it Just again, starting off with the picture of Nineveh, a Gentile city. You know that Jonah was the only prophet that was ever sent to a Gentile city to preach. And uh, it does give us a lovely picture of the fact that God's view is worldwide and Nineveh was in his mind, Nineveh was was something, a place that he viewed, he was reactive to and it was concerning him. So it wasn't just the Jews who were his people and the ones that had been called for a special purpose. He had also a broader view and Nineveh was a great city. It was maybe one of the largest cities in the world at that time. It was a very prosperous city and it was a very evil city. It says they were powerful. It says that they were wicked. They were idolaters. I mentioned at the beginning that we could quite understand why Jonah would uh, um, be reluctant to go to a city like that because it's, it's a little bit like the situation we are in today that around us we see so much idolatry and wickedness and a reluctance from people in the Western world, particularly here in Britain, that uh, to engage in any discussion about the Lord Jesus Christ or about God. And as, as we read in the papers, as we see in our television, if we were asked to go to some great city like Manchester, And to just walk around the streets proclaiming that God is angry—effectively, what the message was: God is angry, and He's going to destroy Manchester. And really think about it—you would, you would balk at that, wouldn't you? You would balk at that. But how, when you think about the mind of God, when you think about how. He raised up a man specifically to do that job. And how did he prepare him? He prepared him, as I mentioned earlier, by bringing a fish, one fish out of all the fish of the sea, to swallow Jonah, to put him into death for three days, to bring him to repentance, to prepare him for the purpose of preaching to the unsaved the wicked of nineveh so that when god then commands the same fish to vomit jonah out onto the dry land then you're seeing evidence of the preparation of the hand of god which of course speaks to us so clearly of christ the preparation of god as we read in matthew and in luke that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights. Sorry, Jonah would be three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Lord Jesus spoke of the fact that the only sign that this perverse and idolatrous um, generation that he was preaching to were going to get was the sign of jonah it gave it a tremendous importance a tremendous um, prominence that the lord jesus in his teaching he refers to the one instance where jonah goes to a gentile city and the way god handled him that that was a sign and it was a sign to all of the people who were around at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sign, the sign of Jonah. So what was it about this story of Jonah that had so much prominence in the mind of the Lord Jesus? And it surely is, he went down into the belly of a whale. He went down into death. You can think about the idea of Jonah praying in the depths There's always this picture of the depth that Jonah went to, when he went down into the belly of the whale, down into the depths of the sea for three days. Could he live down there? I know it's a question as to whether Jonah actually died or didn't. It doesn't really matter, I suppose. It's certainly a picture of Christ going down into the depths of the earth and whether it's Jonah's spirit praying or him himself, his body being kept alive by miraculous means, then it was a preparation. And it's so akin to the preparation of God as seen in the person of Christ that the preparation that took place on the cross at Calvary in our sin being put on him, on the weight of sin, on the punishment of sin for sin, and into the depths and the horror of it all you're getting the picture of god's idea of sin and the need the preparation first for jonah having to go through that and then when he's vomited out he's ready to do the will of god you see that in our need to be able to die with him to go down into the depths with christ to understand as best we can his agony and his suffering and to understand the weight of the sin of the world and what god felt about it all and then to be raised with him in newness of life so the picture of us needing to go through that experience of jonah in order to be in Jonah's case vomited onto the sea and then to be prepared to be of service to God we can only be of service to God of course if we are repentant of our sin and we understand what Christ went through and we acknowledge and identify with him so there's that lovely picture but also of the picture of Christ who went through that so again, the thought of Jonah being as a shadow of Christ and the Lord coming back and preaching and the power of the resurrected Lord preaching to those that would listen. <clears throat> the reaction of Nineveh, of course, is remarkable because it's, it's almost supernatural. A city of thousands of people who are idolaters, who are sinful, evil people, who are warlike and um, aggressive to almost everyone, even the animals, (laughs) uh, were repentant. I say even the animals, it just gives you the picture that the animals were to be put in sackcloth and ashes as well. You think, what's the point of that? Well, it was again an expression of just how repentant they were. That the 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 whole city was repentant. What did they see? Well, there's an argument saying that if you've been three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, what would Jonah have looked like? Well, there's some um so-called experts that will tell you that when that has actually happened in the past where people have gone into the belly of a whale for a period of time. And the acids in the belly of the whale attack the skin and bleach the skin and make it wrinkly. So, so I just wonder whether I mean again, it's speculation as to when Jonah gets vomited onto the sea, well, onto the shore, and he goes into Nineveh. What did he look like? <laughs> I certainly believe that the people of Nineveh would have known the experience that Jonah went through, even if. God had transformed him back to normality even or they would at least have been aware of this man because the sailors would have surely have talked about it and it would have been known, it would have got known I'm sure and these people would have been listening to Jonah because he'd been through an experience and as I say he had a preparation from God To be uniquely able um, to give this message. And therefore, the reaction was maybe more powerful because of what they saw, as well as what they heard, as well as knowing the experience that Jonah had gone through. Here's a man that's come back from the dead, (laughs) effectively, either in reality or uh, gone through a miracle. And he is coming from God. And we know about this God. And here's his servant. And what is his servant saying? You know, it's interesting to, again, just meditate on the message. Because all we get about the message is that 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. There was no message of mercy. There was no message that, well, if you do something... uh, you can, uh, that God will relent. There was no message like that. It was 40 days and Nineveh was going to be overthrown. You know, it's interesting when you look up the word overthrown, the Hebrew word, it's, um, it's a word actually that means, well, well the word is hovak and it means change, to overturn or to turn over. <laughs> And it's um, so it also means to turn back and it also means to change. So the message was, I think, um, that Jonah was told to give that message because in 40 days things are going to change. That's what's going to happen in 40 days. And it's going to change one way or the other and I wonder whether in, in, in God's mind <laughs> if I can be permitted to try and get into the mind of God the God is saying in 40 days either you repent and you will totally change this city or I'll destroy it and therefore it will change one way or the other the city is going to change because you see again God's um, view of sin it's like he looked down and he saw Sodom and Gomorrah, and it just, he sent down the Lord and angels to just be, I going to say, as if he had to be 100% sure, but just to, be, to show his concern, but his abhorrence of the way people are turning away from him, are being evil and sinful in their nature. And they have got the same thing here in Nineveh. And God is angry and God is going to deal with it and God always is going to deal with sin. He said it from the very beginning and the scriptures all teach us that in the end times it might happen now, it might happen later but it is going to happen. And that was what the message was to Nineveh, it's going to happen. I am not putting up with this sin anymore. You know, the the message of the scriptures, the message from God, is that I am going to overthrow sin. And of course, we just need to, as we who today have got the lovely picture of the cross and we've got the, the knowledge of Christ having come as our Redeemer, Because he comes in to the middle of God's anger and God's promise of dealing with sin ultimately. And it's as if the message really of the word of God is, we don't know when, it's not 40 days, but this world is going to be overthrown. Sin is going to be overthrown. And we need to meditate on that. That's the word of God. That is what we should be teaching, is it not? That's the sort of the Jonah message should be to all mankind. God is going to overthrow. It's interesting, you know, that the the king's response to all this was that uh, in verse 9, he makes the comment, who knows? who knows, God may turn and relent. Now obviously the message that had gone out uh, was obviously more than 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown because the king had clearly got the view, as had others, that God's plan for Nineveh was that they would, his fierce anger would cause them to perish. But even although that was something that they had taken from Jonah's message, the response from the king was, well, who knows? Maybe, just maybe, there's a possibility we could get saved. It's, again, amazing sometimes when you confront an unbeliever and you talk about You know the the things of god and what we believe the end times is going to be and how god is going to deal with sin and really somebody who has not accepted christ really needs to do something about it needs to repent because who knows we may be right it's almost as if why wouldn't you take why would you take the risk that was what the king was doing he was saying Well, I know we're going to be told that we're going to perish, but if there's even one fraction of a possibility that God might relent, then let's do what we can to make sure that doesn't happen. And so you see the king and the nation, and it's remarkable what they do. The sackcloth and ashes was obviously the way people in these days uh, showed their... Um, their feelings of to, whether it was genuine repentance or whether it was just going through the motions and it was their deeds that God saw so it wasn't just sort of um, just say the right things to get Jonah out the, out the city as quickly as possible. it was a case that we they believed and you see the power of God that is seen that came through Jonah that came to the king that he was even although he really thought he was going to perish he thought there was at least some hope who knows, who can tell that just the hope that God would withdraw his burning anger my thoughts is I don't know whether you picked up on it on the, uh, my thoughts and the remembrance really was the burning anger of God towards sin was actually meted out at Calvary and so the fact that he relented and of course that is not God changing his mind. God doesn't change his mind because we're dealing with a God who knows the the beginning from the end. He sees all things and he knew what was going to happen here and he gave them opportunity. And he's a God that absolutely hates sin, and he's holding back. But his anger is, you can see it in so many areas of Scripture. And and of course, when you come to the cross, you see it it all just being flooded onto the body of Christ, where it's anger for sin, and for all it means and all it's done to him and all it's the... The woes and the suffering has been caused by sin, and it's just dealt with on Christ, who goes down into the depth of the earth and is raised, and sin is dealt with once and for all. And that, you see, is the power of God. As Jonah went into Nineveh, you see the power of God because he spoke the word of God, and God responded to the people who recognised their sin and were willing to submit I just want to um, just read a verse in Psalm Psalm 71 it's Psalm 71 and verse 5 <coughs> just a verse that, that struck me about when I was thinking about this for you O Lord are my hope my trust O Lord from my youth it was just again that, that verse struck me about um, the king of Nineveh and his thought about well what if you know we don't have that today we have the assurance of our salvation but the king of Nineveh didn't and he was coming before God and he was pleading for his life he was pleading for the life of his city and he was pleading because he recognised through the words of Jonah, through the experience of Jonah who God was We know who God was or God is through the experience of Jesus Christ. We know the mind of God because of what we understand and know from the word of God that is Christ himself. And so we are able not to be saying, well, what if, let's take the risk we are in full assurance who are, re- we are repentant of our sins in the full knowledge that therefore we will have eternal life. We will have assurance of our salvation that God has relented from his fierce anger because we can go to the cross and we can see that. That's where he did it. And he put it on Christ. So we know that that fierce anger that was promised on Nineveh, that fierce anger that is promised to those who reject Christ, we are free from that. And so you see the contrast of it, that we don't need the sackcloth and ashes, and we don't need to plead in hope, hope being the word of hopefully, not the hope of assurance, but the hope of... uh, am I trying to say, the hope of possibly (laughs) we come to God in the knowledge of our salvation we come to God in Christ Jesus the one who's opened up the way therefore as the verse says verse 5 for you O Lord, you're my hope my trust O Lord from my youth so, really just as an encouragement that we can learn so much from Nineveh, from the way they responded, even although they, didn't, they hadn't the assurance of their salvation. They were able to plead with God and to act in their deeds. God, if God relents on them, then surely we have even more hope, more assurance, that because of what he did for his son at calvary we can come in confidence that if we are are genuinely repentant of our sin genuinely repentant of the fact that we were far from god and that we know for a, a full assurance that god will relent his anger because he put it on christ shall we pray